not keeping snakes is just not an option. So right. it's like you kind of cater your life onto how can I keep snakes or how can I keep more snakes or how can I produce enough snakes so that I can buy more snakes and have it not drive us out of our house, which we need our house because we have snakes. Because <laughs> we need snakes. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to number 63 of From the Ground Up. Um, a few things to get out of we always do. We have shirts available on portcitypythons.com, and that goes to supporting our podcast and our YouTube channel. It is our way to not put ads in the beginning of it, so it'd be awesome if you support the podcast. Also, Amazon shopping links are in the description of our videos as well as this podcast. So just click those and do Amazon shopping as you usually would. That would be neat if you did that. And really, that's it. Do we have anything else to say? Oh, we have Carpet Fest stuff to talk about. So, Southeast Carpet or Southern Carpet Fest. Sorry, I've done that two times now. Um, what's the date again? May 5th. I don't know if it's 4th and 5th or if it's just 5th. I think it's really just 5th because it's a Saturday. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure if we have anything planned to do Friday night. Um, I'm not 100% onto it, but I know Evan may be in the comments. So if it comes up later in the show, we will give more details. But for now, it is at Tony Jerome's house, which is in Keller, Texas, which if you're not familiar with this area here, there's Dallas and Fort Worth. Keller is north of Dallas, kind of in between Fort Worth and Dallas. Um, I think that's a decent description, but it's in the Dallas area. You can still fly into Dallas Airport, do all the things that we were going to do if it was at Ryan's and really that's the update so Tony's house if you need details hit up me or Evan or I guess you can hit up Tony too okay and that's pretty much it um the only other thing is tonight's just gonna be us okay why are you gonna put your uh, mic nope, on or? I'm not gonna turn my mic on oh um uh, <laughs> Um, it's weird. I'm not hearing myself. Um, yeah, tonight it's just going to be us on the podcast, which I'm nervous about because we haven't done in a long time. It's been so great to have different guests on each week and learn from them and hear their story. Um, but sometimes it's just going to be us. So this is definitely your time. If you've had questions related to corn snakes or anything, um, for us or any questions really well i wanted to cut me off that's what you no no i wanted to tell the story of why today was like the worst day it wasn't the worst day oh this is pretty shitty day everything went wrong i mean there's one there's a positive but there's a pretty shitty day like yeah (laughs) like i started out in the morning where i went to work and then everything was cool and then I had to move. Oh, that should be something we should say about your work. So oh, yeah. The, well, the, the fact is that before this happened on Friday, they're just like, hey, your shift is now going to be instead of eight to five. It's going to be nine to six. See you on Monday. Sweet. Like, it's not like I don't do a podcast on Mondays <laughs> well, they at six don't o'clock. Know that, but. Yeah. But, you know, and so it ended up being. Um, so for the foreseeable future. 
right all podcast will be um, an hour later most likely for right now but we so we had to tell our guests today hey um we're gonna have to push it back an hour and all this stuff and he was like yeah we'll see if that works out and then something came up for his work and so of course you know everything went wrong and then when i got to work today um my phone fell off our lockers and it stopped working and just went black so i lost my phone so i wasn't able to even talk to the guest even if he was going and to be I on. Wasn't and i wasn't able to tell you i didn't know i didn't know that he wasn't going to be on until like right before the show mm-hmm. so basically everything went wrong today and that's why we join you just by our and i've lonesome. thrown up twice today and you've thrown that's up. That's pretty. That's good. That's no one needed of, to know about that's, that. That's well, well, when you were talking about shitty day, I was like, that was part of my shitty day. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all been really terrible. It's been a long day. Not, not like, not like terrible, but terrible. But positive. Um, again, we're kind of not talking about snakes at all, but positive. I officially have a job up yeah. in Philly. And so it kind of makes it more real. I mean, I know we've been telling everyone that we're moving in July, but like it's real, real now. Like, yeah, that's like contracted real. Yeah. And so, which makes it scary for us to get everything ready, though, too. We got a lot of stuff. We have snakes. We have snakes laying eggs. And therefore, we're going to have to be moving with eggs, slash, with hopefully not pregnant females. I'd rather move with eggs just so. I would rather um, risk the eggs than risk the females. So that's really my thoughts on that. But I can't make them lay eggs. So um, we're probably on course to have most of our eggs before then. No, it looks good to do it before. We're going to be moving probably July 1st. And we're only in April, dude. And we're having clutches. I feel like we're late. Though. I feel like everyone else. Maybe not. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people I feel like have already had like started three, or earlier. Four, three or four clutches and we don't have that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people started earlier, but we ended up catching up because we just had a female that really jumped the gun. And then we had that other one that um, the honey that was pretty close behind it. So um, we had this this female tessera had honey that didn't lock up with anything until like it was one of the later lockups and then mm-hmm. had a prelay shed like. Two weeks later and laid. Yeah. It was so our it was first like, lay, even though it was one of the last lay. It's like, I don't know if that's the sire or she retains sperm or I've never had it. Uh, I've, well, I've never documented shit. This year I'm really documenting stuff because I want everyone to see it. So Tony says hi, by the way. Tony's here. Hey, Tony. Tony, Mr. Little shout out to you. About uh, yeah, so if anyone has questions about Carpet Fest, the man is Tony. here. Brandon says we should get Tony on. We had him on like a couple weeks ago. I don't know. I think he means like right now. <laughs> right now, yeah. yeah he sorry, means, sorry, he we're means not like uh, entertaining enough. Damn it. No, I told Brandon I don't want it to be just. I, Brandon, I talked earlier. I told him I don't want. I don't want it to just be us two because I don't know what we're gonna talk about. But no, I don't. Tony would make things more. It's interesting. definitely much better having a guest on, but we can ramble about stuff. And Clearly, we're doing. We don't it right get now. enough time to just talk about all the shit that happens, you know, in between then and now, and then with our stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, 
people may be interested about what we have yeah. going on. But it's fun. You were about to say like how you haven't really documented things in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and so we are really trying to document this um, breeding season. You know, we documented when they locked up, when they had their first, uh, not first, when they had their prelay shed and now when they're laying. And it'll just be interesting to see, you know, how all that as fall. well as like, you know she laid nine healthy eggs which was our first clutch so i'm going to document the number of fertile eggs the number of slugs and then obviously the time in between like you were saying the shedding and the laying of eggs so this will give us a lot of numbers to be like how consistent are they are they going up are they going down right which it all could you know be flukes like why we're still wondering why that girl laid first even though she was uh you know one of our last lacks so it's not like we'll have any science or reasoning to back up whatever happens but it'll just be well that cool. is the science in parentheses but what if it's all over the place and it's what does that mean but what does that mean then our observation is it's all over no, the yeah, place. Like, <laughs> like, it's not but like that's it. why that's the fun of trying to figure it out because like that tessera if I'm like, oh, she pulls this Houdini shit every year, then it's like, then we know. Then what, what is it? I don't know. And who did we put her to? Um, we put her to a honey. So she's Tessera head honey to a honey. So what we should get. Which is funny because now our funny, second honey. one. Funny honey. Okay. Oh, okay. Right, keep on going. Our second snake to have the prelay shed was the, the, the female honey who we also put to that male honey, obviously. It's a lot of honey. I think he's spitting fire. I don't know. Like, maybe it's something about... It's weird that it's that, you know, the two with the yeah, same sire. Maybe so, the honey... I don't know. Some sticky sperm because it's honey. He is a big male, though. That little fire, though, he did... Or did, yeah. I he guess did. that's a decent word. He, he locked with a bunch of females, and um, he was just the most useful as far as genetics as we ha that we had, but... But yeah, that honey, his two females went quickly. Yeah. So, so maybe something about the honey sperm, or I don't know. Yeah, Again, I don't think our science I think won't really, tell us anything. But <laughs> I think we'll it's just... really mostly dependent on females because they need to grow follicles. Okay. So I don't think you're. So you think sperm, it's just a coincidence? With unless the honey? he has some like miracle miracle grow sperms. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, but but yeah, I think it's a coincidence. And but also think about that um the female's a honey and then the tessera's head the tessera is head, head honey. honey right so they do so there's more honey stuff going on so they do have the same lineage you know eventually right. they're related to each other because they honeys. carry the same genes so maybe it's that something with how honeys. far off are is that relatability as far as we have uh, you know, how close of relatives can they really be since corns you no, know, are so diverse? No, I think they're far, but the fact that they all, you know, they both, they they both have the honey in genes. them. I didn't think about that. And they're yeah. recessive genes, so obviously over generations, honeys have been bred back to honey. So, I mean, that's something that's interesting. And I think that there's definitely, um, I don't see it in corns just because I feel like corns are very vital in every way. And then once uh, we find out that a mutation isn't vital... I think it gets nipped a lot quicker than because there's no money involved. So it's unlike ball pythons where, I mean, you'll hear breeders say, hey, all my clowns eat really good. All my pies eat really good. And some genes seem to be a little bit worse with eating or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, These aren't exactly on paper. You know, no one has proof of anything, but some people will make observations to where 
hey, this gene. Also, keep in mind things like clowns have been around the longest in ball pythons. It's one of the first genes. So, so there's it's more like, on it. So it's like, yeah, maybe it's generations of captive breeding, which makes them better um, better eaters. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Talking of it, yeah, someone said Melissa's drinking water. Is she pregnant? Question. What happened to snakes and beer? <laughs> That's a good, good observation. Oh I'm God. drinking beer. You know, it's funny. It's like the 15th person asked me if I was pregnant today. But no, she feels sick, which means she's probably pregnant. So, you know. No, I am not. <laughs> this is not something we joke about. But we have definitely <laughs> pregnant snakes. I think yes, yes. Let's focus on <laughs> but, pregnant snakes. <laughs> so, I mean, at this point, we've pretty much done all of our locks. I mean, I am. Pretty much. We have. Yeah, we have. <laughs> I say that like it's still up in the air. No, we have done it's, all it's of It's hard them. because I get to the point where I'm like, you know, do I really want to nail this down? Do I really want, you know, like how many breeding is enough? You know, how many breedings is enough? For me, for corn snakes, I feel pretty good with like two, even three. But I mean, I don't think you need to really go crazy. We can see all of our females are pregnant. I mean, we'll. Mm-hmm. It's part of the observation of everything and taking the more details as far as the the number of lockups. Oh, <laughs> we got we got to ignore all these people making yes, terrible sexualized Brandon jokes. Brandon brought up something. Um, so I'll get back on. Uh, over the weekend, we went to Lake Charles, Louisiana. This guy got to experience Louisiana. Well, I was the- I was trying Can to stay in sequence. Well, no, I was just trying to stay in sequence in some type of pattern, and you keep on bringing. Oh, I it thought elsewhere. we were done talking about it. What else? No, we just started talking about locking up. I wanted to go. But through But you the whole said process. we're done. We're done. Our locking up. Our lock up. Right. So I. Th- okay. Sorry. No. Yeah. I will ask. Brandon, or talk about Brandon's question later. Right, but I'm we're thinking about people who are listening to this, who are like, oh, they started talking about this, and then they randomly started talking about that, and then I need to catch it back. That's up the in definition the end. of our podcast that we randomly start talking. Right. About well, maybe shit. we should not do that as much, especially when it's just me and you. It's different when we're talking to other people. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Well. Tony did ask what size clutches do they like? That's kind of Yeah, related. see like that's a great that's a great jumping off point. Okay. Well, we can memory bank the other ones. Okay. Now we're going too far okay. off just explaining this. Okay, okay. You, okay. holy so, shit. So the Tessera het honey yeah. that has already laid laid a nine egg clutch. A whopping nine eggs. Not whopping. That's um, pretty small. Well, yeah, that's definitely something I want to talk about to where there's so many people who are commenting on like how old are your corn snakes how old can you breed corn snakes how big do they have to be this that um they're like oh your corn snakes aren't big well yeah that's true um she only laid nine eggs she is a 2014 where um i want to see a little bit more eggs out of a female that's four years old Mm -hmm. but um i just don't feed snakes a lot i just don't you could <laughs> you, you see some of these some of these people who have really fat snakes and yeah they produce well but how long do they produce well and do i really want to be engaged in some type of race you know i don't want to race anything i don't want to i'm not in a rush to produce anything and therefore i'm not willing to get females 
huge by three years old in order to breed them and then they lay 12 egg clutch the first clutch out and then 20 the next year then 25 and then have a twisted oviduct and fucking next year i'm not saying that's exactly why that happens but um because it can happen to anyone obviously it happened to us last year but um i just don't i just don't like getting snakes fat i think that it should be a slow progress progression to where um your first year of corn snakes, they will lay a five to ten egg clutch. Okay. And then four the years, year. it goes a little higher. Five years, a little bit higher. Six years, a little bit higher. And then when you get to eight, nine, ten, you may see clutches, the size still goes up. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know how old that annery female is, but she'll, she threw 25 fertile eggs or whatever with no problem. And she's got to be, at least, I've had her for six years. I got her as an adult. So. Gotcha. She's probably at least nine or ten years old. So it's like it should be a steady climb because and then what you have to do is make sure that you have females that are good enough that will be uh, useful to you for ten years. So it's not like we have one gene females, you know, besides the annery we were just talking about. But that's a female that I just have a liking to. You got it recently. Yeah. 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 It's just one I've had forever. So um what I like to see is it starts off small and gets bigger and bigger okay. as it goes on. I don't think it's healthy to, you know, try to out the gate. You can't expect, you know, a dozen eggs, even though you want it's definitely to possible and it's definitely it's possible. nice. But, you know, you we talked about over the weekend, like the snake's body kind of knows what it can handle for the most part. You know, obviously, sometimes it's too much, but like that means like it is at the size where it can only handle that. So even though we want a bigger clutch, if there was a bigger clutch, it could have caused issues because, you know, it may not have been actually able to handle that amount. Yeah, I think corns are a really interesting species in the fact that they do. The bigger they are, the more they produce. Like, definitely. Like, I can say that that is definitely true. And that is not, though, a reason to get them things? big. For other species? Um, relatively, I've seen ball pythons. I used to have giant ball pythons who would lay eight and then giant ball, and then a small ball python lay eight too, you know, like it's the same shit. Um, they're generally eight to 12. It's different with a corn snake because it can be eight to 36. 36. I think Will's, I think Will's, I I think Will was up to 30 or something. She laid more. So, um, Apparently, Kathy Love's record is in the 50s or so. It's like 53. In one so, clutch? So it's different when you're talking um, a snake that can lay from, you know, six eggs to 53 eggs than a ball python where it's 8 to 12 and they go within that range. Most stay 8 Damn. or maybe it's 6 to 12. I'm not really sure. But, um, yeah, so there's a lot of variability in corn snakes in a variety of different ways. But I don't, I don't think uh, – I don't expect anything great. That's why when we did our numbers, our, I estimated what I used 10 as my estimation of what clutch we would get, like clutch size. But it's like, yeah, most of them will probably lay a bit more um, than 10. But I do that just so I have a ballpark and like I don't I just don't, don't like yeah. to count my eggs. So we said with, you know, the bigger they are, the greater the clutches normally is it does size slash age have an effect on yeah i should go on now (laughs) yeah because that's something i really wanted to clarify about the age 
Oh. We'll because go first. I think they have to at least definitely be three years old. Mm-hmm. So. Even though this, for females. Yeah, for, for females. Females. males can go at two. Um, the thing is, males, it's if they go, they go. So it's like, it's not like you're going to mess up a male's life System. by having a breed. You know, he mm-hmm. doesn't have to produce follicles, produce eggs, lay eggs, do all that stuff. He just needs to, you know, pump in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So what I was going to ask, we said that size has an effect on the clutch, or the size of the snake has the effect on the clutch size. Does the size of the snake do you think it has an effect on the chance of double clutching or no? Yeah. I mean, they, in the wild, I think how their body is going to, I would say it's probably pretty rare in the wild to double clutch in comparison in captivity. It's just because, um, there's some trigger naturally and corns and most colubrid species are pretty unique in that way to where, they feel like food is readily available in their area mm-hmm. and they will double clutch almost without you trying, without you doing anything. They'll just do it by themselves. Am I going to try to double clutch them? Probably not. Um, am I going to try to double clutch that smaller female that laid nine eggs? No. Why would I do that? I mean, I want her to lay, you know, 15 next year. I don't care if I get another four shitty eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, every time a female produces, there's such a risk for things to go wrong, as we saw, you know, as mm-hmm. we've seen throughout time. I mean, for people who don't breed snakes, um, there's a rule of thumb, per se, where if you want your snake to live for as long as it can, don't breed it because complications happen when you breed things. Even males, a hemipene gets messed up, something really? like that, or they drag their hemipene, or it doesn't stays go back out. In. Yeah, it gets prolapsed, doesn't go back in. There's plenty of things that could happen. Breeding is exactly just uh, humans the same. You know, how many back in the day, you know, females died during childbirth? A lot. So, and then every time you're doing it, you're multiplying your risk, obviously. So you double clutch every year. You're two-timing your risk of stuff going wrong. I'd rather I'd rather have a fully primed and ready female for the next year than a female that's eking out that second clutch. But you, if they're bigger, you feel more comfortable with it because you think they can handle that double clutch more if they're bigger. Yeah, but uh, none of mine carry extra body weight like that. That's really like... They need to lay a clutch and still have extra body weight. Because, like, you saw that female. She kind of looks like how she did before she before she it's laid. It's a huge difference. Yeah. yeah, she's not, like, she didn't lose muscle tone or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, like, she looks great still. But will she look great after that second clutch? I don't know, but I'm not willing to find out. Well, and that's just how I roll. You're just saying you're not going to do much to add. You're not going to do anything to ensure it. But if it just happens naturally, so be it. Right. And it will probably be infertile unless I pair up. Uh, Sometimes they can retain sperm. Sometimes I don't know. I've never gone for it. So I don't have the the knowledge to do it. I want to try next year with one of our older ones. I would try... Just depending on what we see this year, just to get some more. Because, like, Mother McDonald, even though she's kind of the same, not kind of, she's the same age as a lot of the other ones, she's a lot bigger. Yeah, she has a few, she has some years on her. Um, 
I think I may have put on the timesheet the years for everyone, but I'm not oh, sure. Okay. I thought she was four like everyone else. No, no. I oh. think she's a little bit older. I think she may be like a 2012. So oh, that, that goes for that slow growth over time. Yeah, patience. That's just mm-hmm. everything so comes maybe down next to patience. Year we could so. double, try, uh, try to double clutch her since she's. I mean, I'll see how she looks this year. This year. I won't. I'm not rushing anything. I just don't like pushing anything and risking anything and. Is P3 Exotics, is that Will? That's Will. Okay. Hey, Will, um, P3 Exotics. We were actually (laughs) just talking about you and talking about clutch sizes. Yeah, tell everyone how many um, that, what was it, pied-sided, blood red uh, laid for you. Because we were talking about clutch sizes and talking about, you know, that Kathy Love record, which I think was uh, 53 eggs, but you can correct me if that's wrong. Um, But Will actually is putting out... On his page on P3 Exotics, he's having a giveaway. So if you share his um, picture, then you can get in the running to get a new, a new snake. Ooh, what is he? What is he doing? Like the snake wise? Yeah, what giveaway? Um, he is. He just said he has a bunch of eggs on the ground. So I guess you get your pick. I don't know. Cool. You'd have to ask him. But you guys can check it out. Cause... Oh, okay. So he got thirty-one blood red. Um, eggs and I well I'm interested to know how um, old that female was um, that's crazy 31 I'm just yeah and she's definitely a lot larger than my course than okay. <laughs> yeah um, not like not like fat large though she she's was just, just bigger, bigger. Just old, yeah. and I'm assuming she'll be older once he um, yeah. tells us how old she is yeah so that's the whole thing like you get those mature females and they actually Unlike a lot of things, you would think that the females get worse with age, age, which they do they to eventually, a certain extent. But there's a prime period. I mean, think it's oh God. My my comfort zone always wants to compare snakes to humans, which I know makes no sense because there's there's a lot of things that not. <laughs> but if you think about humans, there's like a prime age for carrying a baby, and you know, there's it's really hard before a certain period, and it's really hard after a certain period. So there's that like time period now obviously female or human birth your age it doesn't matter about the size of your baby because there's people you know there's all different kinds of sizes and you only have but, one baby and you only have one yes but there's i like to but make any still, connections uh, to think human about birth as i can <laughs> just how hard it is for your eggs to be fertilized as an older you know woman so well said 23 of the 31 were good mm-hmm. um and she's about six years old so i guess that brings up an interesting thing to where it's like is it the male or the female why you had you got slugs right mm-hmm. like and what that's co- always a debate we and i don't think know. anyone really has it i think there's way too many variables you know yeah. I, there's just so many things between the shit the the how you keep the snake in between how the eggs were how, like just there's so many different and then factors even if you, you were like pinpoint. i'm gonna use this male put it to that female then you have to wait another year to see what fertility like the rates. same thing right but it's like she also got a year older maybe things are different maybe you did right. something different maybe conditions there's are different. there's know. just way too many and then um tony asked um about incubating like how do i incubate with corn snake eggs we keep our adults, uh, males and females, in an, at an ambient temperature of 80 degrees. So we don't use supplemental heating. It's just flat 80 degrees. And that is actually a perfect, um, a perfect temperature to keep 
corn snake eggs at, just like, you know, keep the adults at it. You can keep the eggs, eggs at, at it. it. And that's what I do. I just put them in the room, but I have done it different ways before. I put it in Hovabator, um, which is like a chicken egg piece of shit incubator that you get from Tractor Supply. I did that one year. Um, that blew dicks. Um, I... I put it last year in our room. It was like 75 degrees. All it, um, They did not hatch. It just took them 100 days to come yeah, out. Yeah, so now it's in there 80. I hope so it's a little bit So now it's 80, faster. and hopefully it will be somewhere between 50 and 60 days. But We can't be waiting till middle so, of August. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't suggest, although they came out at that slow cook you know that we yeah, slow cooked them i know they came out perfect big and ready to go but i don't want that and then at the higher temperatures i saw lower hatch rates and i saw them come out a lot smaller so i'm sure somewhere in the middle of that is probably best do you have pictures of the eggs from last year i'm sure somewhere. last year yeah i'd be interested and to then see i have the pictures difference. of the ones from like four years ago and stuff too do you remember like compared to the the clutch we just got are they similar size or cause i don't remember what last there's a weird like. thing i don't know how true this is but some say that you can tell a corn is pure by its egg shape so if you saw the eggs that the female annery laid last year they were good oval you know semi-circle looking kind of like a chicken egg shape okay. even more of a perfect circle than that this year the tessera came out long. yeah they're more longer they're longer people, and skinnier people say that if you get those oblong eggs that they are probably mixed with some other type of rat snake really i don't know how true that is but it's interesting because that annery is obviously super old school and she may be pure corn snake uh-huh. or something. And that's why they're perfectly round. And the Tessera, people have doubts that they're pure for whatever which reason. Um, I think Donovan maybe got on into that a little bit in our podcast. But um, they came out oblong from the Tessera. So, so it's like, is there merit to that? Is there not? Um, I don't know. But it's an interesting insight. And so these eggs are much more oblong than our other ones. I don't want someone telling me ours isn't a pure corn. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Corn snakes <laughs> are too delineated at this point for it to to make any sense. And Will said that his tesseras also came out oblong. And then I wonder if his pied red tesseras came out more circular. It seemed like they were more circular, which is very interesting. <laughs> that was <laughs> not a noise you some ever say, make I know again. some people say that. Oh, was it a king snake that they were bred to or something? And it comes out with a wacky tessera-like pattern to it. But I don't believe that they're bred with king snakes, you psychos. <laughs> At least that's my uh, whatever. Tony says the emery's is pure. Is pure. <laughs> Tony knows the emery is pure because it is a true driveway locality. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, it wasn't Tony's. Brandon asked about retaining sperm, and we hinted on it a little bit, but Mm. um, I don't, again, I don't know if there's science behind it, true science behind that. Well, I've had 
in ball pythons, I had a partho clutch. I'm going to put that. What does that Parthogenesis. Mean? I'm going to put that in quotes also. I don't know what that means. Um, partho means that basically you had a ghost birth, meaning like. You didn't mother, lock at all. Like Mary shit. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. So you didn't pair up with a male, which I did though. So that's a whole thing. What? But. How is it a ghost birth if you did pair it with the male? Because there were genes in play to where they came out all what the female was. And none of the male. And none of the male. And with the sample size that I had, the percentage that that happens was like point two, three, five. You know, like eight eggs came out like the mom. That's weird. Right. So so that was because... You know, we had three genes at play. The The female wasn't normal, and the male had, like, three genes at play. And you didn't see one of those we genes. We didn't see any of those genes. And they're all incomplete dominant, so... You should have seen at least part... You should have seen some of it, right? 50% of them should have had... His at genes. At least one of them in... I yeah, mean, at least one of his genes. Basically, the the odds are fucking astronomical that it would, they would all be normal. But it happened. Is that... Why is that? I don't know. Am I going to call it partho? I don't fucking know. Who cares? But but it is interesting, right? So, yeah, like, where did his sperm go? Or, like, you know what or I mean? Or where did like, his genes go? And why right. didn't they interact? Or did she retain sperm from the last year, which she was definitely not paired with a normal the year before? So it's still certainly been normal stuff. Yeah. Thing? I don't know. See, there's, but those are the mysteries because we're not thorough with that stuff that we can't be like, oh, yeah, it was definitely that immaculate conception over here. You know, you never really know. Also, um, I've heard of people getting like partho clutches and having all the same sex or something. I'm not sure what the deal is there. Hmm. I don't know enough about that, but I think it's interesting. Oh, it said, uh, Brandon said that I guess Nick Mutton bred two super zebras together one time and got a normal baby. How? I don't know. I guess something, I don't know. Didn't how that works. fire. If, if people don't know what supers are, um, so basically that is incomplete dominant genes. Um, two of them together visually shown would be a super form of that incomplete dominant. So, so the super form bred back to a normal should produce all of the incomplete dominant forms. So you have a zebra or you have a super zebra, then you breed it to a normal carpet and then you should get all zebras no matter what. Okay. Cause the super just lays down all the genes and you get, zebra. Top, you, okay. you can, you can um, replicate the super zebra from a Z ze- from a super zebra to a normal carpet, but you can, but you are going to get all zebras. Okay. So he had one that just didn't play by he the rules. He somehow got a normal. So it's like, yeah, things happen, right? And Tony said, <laughs> I know Nick Martin. <laughs> Isn't we talk about him too much, huh? Um, That's so weird. Okay, but his question was about retaining sperm in corns. In corns. Um, I haven't seen anything. We'll see, though, with this clutch. I mean, that do, just they, must, out. they must. They must. It's certainly it possible in double, almost everything. It's possible have, in humans. People have. Yeah, it's possible in humans. What? Yeah. You can get pregnant again without doing it? Yeah. I don't know about again after just having one. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I know. I don't know. I know that. it like stays in your the girl's system for like two weeks, supposedly. <laughs> 
But you can't, I don't think you can, like, get pregnant again off of not having sex. Like, I don't know. You retain it uh, in the sense that it's, like, it's in, you know. You're going to speak into the microphone. Yep. Um, but it must, I mean, it must be that corns can retain sperm because it, people I know have, ball pythons people have can. double clutches without locking up again. Yeah, so yeah. Then, I, they definitely do. So I just don't do. know how it works. I don't have any explanation. And I don't think a lot of us don't have explanation for things. So it's not like we can draw conclusions on what's that. going on. Yeah. Um, can you talk while I go get some water? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what do I want to talk about? <laughs> so what we're doing right now, I guess I should talk about, um, we didn't really talk about lay boxes and then the incubation. So, the way I'm setting them up is not the way everyone does it, but it's it worked for me last year. I just changed last year. Um, I used to use perlite vermiculite mix and then just um, basically mix them together, put in water to the point where I could squeeze it. Some came out, but it wasn't dripping wet. Put it into the container, and that's it. So this year, or last year, I changed to RepTiChip to do my lay boxes as well as my incubation medium and that has done pretty well what i have to do it doesn't retain moisture quite as well as uh perlite or vermiculite but i just keep an eye on it i can fill in water as i go along i just make it the same way moist not dripping wet and um sorry i said moist but so that that seems to work for most things and i think people use kind of you know the same incubation medium across different species but that's what i'm doing for the corns and uh, they're definitely hardier eggs so it's not that big of a deal but for the lay boxes um i have these takeout containers that i got from the uh, our place is called a smart there's a smarts all around the country but it's a restaurant supply store and I don't know if you guys know those like plastic, like you would get at a concession stand, like your nachos in maybe, or and it kind of clicks down. It's clear. Uh, you can get one if you want. I don't know how to explain it. Oh, they're they're in the closet actually. If you don't have one on hand, or in the closet outside the the fresh ones. Yeah, yeah, it's not worth it. But <laughs> but you get the point. It's a takeout container for um, I don't know what. But they're but they're clear. There you go. Uh, oh yeah, the eggs are in there right now. So it's a takeout container. And what I do for the lay box is all I do is I cut a hole, you know, about three times the diameter of the female in the top of it, and then put repti chip in the bottom. Put about four ounces of water, about half the container filled with repti chip. Mix it all around, and then you have a nice medium for your female to lay eggs in, and then. For the incubating, I'm using the same container, not the exact same container, but a takeout container as well. And obviously not poking the giant hole in it, but I am putting a pen-sized hole in the top of the container, just one little air hole, just for a little air exchange. And then putting my rapid chip in there, putting about a little bit more water than I do for the lay box, maybe about uh, somewhere in between four and six ounces, more towards six. And then mixing it all up and then putting the eggs in there, making a good bed and kind of stuffing a little bit of bedding around the eggs. Um, what you're looking for while you're incubating with corn snake eggs, 
I mean, it's good to be reactive with this stuff. That's why it's much easier when you have only a few clutches to check your eggs every once in a while once you see dimpling. Obviously, unless the eggs are about to hatch, you're going to want to add more water. So you can get these visual cues just over time of what looks like a good egg, what's going to be doing well over time, um, you know, adjustments you have to make. Obviously, dripping from the top of the container is going to be way too much moisture. Um, a little condensation is probably pretty good. Um, and then your eggs getting mold on them is an issue, and you can always put glue over there, those and stuff like that to dry that part out. But your your thing is you want to monitor before it gets to that point. You want to make sure that um, you know, you're looking at your eggs, there's no dripping water, all that stuff, proper humidity. Um, and then once and once you see that they're getting a little dimpled, you see the small change and then you can adjust real quick. Um, two, of them. Oh, I need to two of ours dimpled a little bit. Yeah, so, already and it made me nervous. Yeah, they came out a little dimpled and I've been adding a little bit of water over time. Um, I added a little bit of water like a day or two ago and I wanted to see if it changed. They haven't really changed mm -hmm. at all. So I may put a little bit more water in there. But um, there's definitely nothing that's affecting the eggs like intensely. It's not something I need to okay. address immediately. But I'm going to slowly add water because obviously too much water. It's harder to get out water than put in more water. Mm -hmm. So I'm just slowly seeing how it reacts to the little bit of water. And you can see a change over like 24 hours easily. Really? Okay. You can see like those eggs plump up in easily 24 hours so i mean that's how i do it um it doesn't work if you're having 50 clutches but if you're having 50 clutches then you're not listening to me for advice you're doing your own thing so <laughs> so yeah that's how i do it okay um brandon asks if we've seen this stuff about the new hoser paper i don't know what that is i have no idea what you're talking about but it sounds interesting send us a link or something hoser i don't know even know what that could be referencing but. It's a Canadian derogatory term. A hoser. Okay. That's what you call someone who's lame oh, in Canada. Are you serious or are you making yeah. this up? No. Oh. Yeah. I don't know, man. Is it like a poser but hoser? I don't know. The derivative. You'll have to look it up. I don't know. Canadian speak. Uh, um, <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? Okay. So you did lay boxes. Yep. And incubation. And incubation. And now hopefully at at eighty degrees, hopefully we'll stick between fifty to sixty days. So I mean that's you so know. So sixty days, two months, so that's July. Is that what it is? Right. Um May and June. May, June. So Yeah, I mean these these eggs were laid on four nineteen. So I definitely want to, yeah. Our, everyone tells us that it's easier to travel with babies than it is with eggs. Well, yeah, but I would rather have eggs than pregnant females. Oh, I don't I think we'll saying. have pregnant. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't no, he was Tony asked about incubation time. So I think yeah. we'll have I think we'll definitely have all of our eggs. It's just will we have babies? And it's it's interesting to me that people say it's easier to 
I guess because temperature-wise. Temperature-wise, you don't want the eggs to be affected. But as far as, like, actual transport, it's much easier to the... I don't know how to describe it. You know, than having 20 things that you each have to put in different Tupperware rather than having one container of eggs. That's, to me, in that way, eggs sounds easier. But then on the flip side, control... You know, you have to be much more worried about temperature and humidity and stuff for the eggs than you do for the babies. Yeah, and luckily corn snake eggs are really chill as far as that goes. But okay. I would rather I would rather maintain life that's already, you know, we spent five years and we know these females. Mm-hmm. And so having the eggs is just not a you know, and, and they get they steadily get more hardy it seems the later they get in their term of incubation so um fresh eggs seem to be the most the most easily led astray and you know they seem to perish mm-hmm. with changes but once you get towards the end i feel like you're in a much safer zone and i think that goes for most because obviously you're dealing with much more of a snake at that point right like at some point there's a snake in an egg really yeah i know it's crazy thought but there's a snake in the egg but yeah. right now like our our it doesn't eggs, feel like it's like it, it was like a week real. ago so yeah. it's like barely an embryo you know right so so it's definitely much more vulnerable and then like will said it seems like he's having things mold from the inside out um i think that those are probably just slugs i mean i don't think that that's really a thing that happens to a normal egg. Is it possible that something look, doesn't look like a slug when it first comes out and then, I don't know, give it two days? Uh, and... They can go bad, but I don't, not with corn eggs. I don't find that they go bad that fast. It's that you see you see that one who's a boob egg, which means that like it seems like half of it is infertile. Okay. Those are the ones to where it progresses and then you're like, oh, fuck, we lost this one. It's actually a slug. Okay. Um, most of the time you have a healthy egg out. And then if you do incubation correctly, then you're straight. But, um, I mean, yeah, there there is merit to candling your eggs, right? Which means that you're holding a light up to your egg. You're checking for veins. You're seeing where the embryo is and everything. And um, some slugs are going to have really visible veins. Some don't have great veins. Um, I've seen eggs that are borderline that have gone bad that have less veins or have some veins but they don't necessarily have to be um it's it's also a touch and feel and sight type of thing like the egg should come out pretty pearly white on a corn snake at least once they're dry once they're out of the female pretty damn white right mm-hmm. and if you see any off white and some weird you know, they should be a nice leathery feel, a good plump let, like almost like a baseball cover. You know, that's how an egg should feel. Okay. And it's a little bit rougher than that, but you can tell what's more viable and what's not. And then if you have anything that's questionable, you gotta separate it from the, the other from ones. the clutch at least. Did at you least see that's he what said I would it, do. They had veins. Yeah. Yeah, so what I would do in Will's case, if that, if he sees something's going on from the inside that looks bad, obviously just separate that stuff. Because when things go bad, that means that eventually that egg goes bad to the point where 
it will break open or it will leak fluids and it will leak over the other eggs or just it will rot start rotting away right and degrade on the other eggs Mm -hmm. and it will just spread its disgustingness and wetness and nastiness that you don't want on your eggs to the other eggs so it's really keeping that in a confined space so I want to always try to at least give eggs a chance, right? So I will keep them, but I will incubate them on the other side of a little container or something. But I will just make sure that all my best-looking eggs are with my best-looking eggs. You know, they're going to lay in a lump, and a lot of times the slugs um, will be off to the side or roll off the top. Or for whatever reason, it seems like all the good ones stick together. And it's pretty rare that you have a slug really buried down in there, but I'm sure it happens. But, um, so yeah, just separate them. And it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward once you realize who's going to thrive. And once you get them moving, you know, after the first couple of weeks, um, kind of backing up a little bit, but someone asked about it in the chat. Um, someone is, wants to be a breeder and they're like, you know, how do you decide what to pair? And that, when we were pairing things, I always ask you like, why can't we put this one together? Like, or like, how will that look and stuff? And it's hard for someone who doesn't know, like you're just, you already kind of, what you want it? You want me to eat it? No, like, you need you're to talk to, into the mic. I'm talking just into the mic. Um, you already like, you have an idea already of like, this will look like this. This will do this. Like I don't. So I was just kind of like, I don't know. We're putting it together. Am I still not talking into it? I'm you, turning you it this. have it in front of you. No. I'm you. turning it this way. My mouth is on it. Jesus. Um. But and I was about to type to him, but I thought it'd just be something. I think we've talked about it before, but it's a good thing to know that if you Google, um, what is it like, corn calculator or something, yeah. corn snake calculator, it's a very helpful website that lets you put in the two snakes you want to put together, and it'll tell you all the possible. Uh, offspring so and you can put it you know even if it has multiple genes or if it has hats in it like you can put all of that stuff into that calculator yeah um, a lot of times people ask me what will happen if i do this all i do is go to corn snake calculator and it's because yeah. i don't want to seem rude to be like do it yourself but i'll be Stop. like here's what it is and then for for, for future reference here's corn yeah, snake I mean, calculator because that's all i'm using i don't have these fucking things all in my head but you do i, feel I like do you to an do. extent to, yeah. a, to a limited extent though when you're talking about pos hets on hets on four recessive genes going you know like it gets to a certain point where you just can't keep track of it at least i can't in my head so that's yeah. where well, I mean, either whoever, way. Who made the corn snake calculator? Was it someone super big I don't know. in it? There's, there's quite a few different ways to do it, but just Google like corn snake genetics calculator and you'll find it. Um, you'll find a few different ones. I think Ian's Vivarium has their own. Morph Market has their own okay. as well as corncalc.net or something like that. But um, So, yeah, I just check it out on there. Um, it's a, kind of off the top of your head, you know, um, just general knowledge of the morphs as far as once you know that caramel with sunkist is a honey, we tend to know you should know what that is because you want to know what you can get down the line. You always want to be breeding towards something, right? Mm-hmm. So so people oftentimes just have, hey, I have this amel and then hey, I have this blood red. Let's Can I put them What together? happens if I breed them together? 
And then the shitty answer that I have to give them is you get double heads and all you get all <laughs> normals, man. This is how this game works, you know? But they're corn snakes, so who knows? You may pop out right. some old recessive gene know. that's in there. Yeah. Right. But I mean, you have to have a plan when you're doing this, you know? You can't just throw shit together and just be like, whatever. Mm. I mean, you, you can <laughs> if you want to just can. have fun, but, but don't worry about the outcome when you're in that situation. You can't. You can't worry about the outcome when you haven't done the work, you know, to to figure it out. I mean, that's how you get good things is you have focused projects that you're aiming for. You know, if we were all just, hey, man, we're going to put this together, see how it looks. Then you're just that's not really great. I, I don't like know. That. I'm like, I just want to know how it looks. I just, But I, I understand. Well, no, but I want to say, hey, this is what Sunkiss does to most things. If I put Sunkiss with this new thing, which is also an enhancer gene, which is also, you know, it's like, oh, I know this will get an exaggerated mm-hmm. result in my head. I hope it may not, but I'm hoping. And I- the cool, but the cool thing, I guess this kind of goes across the board, but I just know about it in, in corns because that's what we work with. You can get a email. That sounded weird. Email. I still, I can't. I keep saying it really country. Sorry. A- email. Email. I can't. You can get an email tessera. Uh, tessera, <laughs> and it can look crazy, but like those are two very basic. You know, tessera is everywhere. A- you know, I'm whatever. Well, you is can normal, make, but like it can be so gorgeous. Yeah. Just those two, and you know, people say that about some other snakes. They're just like the normal one is just so beautiful. But that's what I like about horns especially they're like hey you might just get you might get 16 different heads but all that shows as visual is the aml and the tessera and that's awesome to me i mean obviously you're not gonna make that much money off of it but well there's a weird thing where um in these mutations which hasn't happened much in corns because quite frankly none of them are worth that much money so like it's things that look good get bought and things that don't don't which is how it should be because the genes don't actually <laughs> Thanks, cost Captain money Captain obvious <laughs> right but that's not how it works in ball pythons at least it wasn't for the last 20 years it just started working like that before it was whatever's new is expensive and people like but they look like dog shit in comparison to the albino the albino was the nicest looking one but you want this brown and black one that has a slight variance that works specifically with this gene and looks amazing, new. but it doesn't do great on its own and it ages like dog shit and no one cares, but it's new. So you get it. And that's really where corns are much more mature of a market and no one gives a shit, which is a, it's a double edged sword, right? It's like, yeah, that's fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> But you're not going yes. to be throwing money around. No, it, yeah, you're not going to make it because it's. But if you produce things that look good, you you sell you them. Get something, yeah. And that's cool. So it's like, why would you? You don't want to spend time making things that are cheap and don't look good. So it's like I could produce albino cow kings all day and probably sell them, or lavender cow kings all day. Can I sell a lavender albino fucking joker hypo? For $2,000? No, it doesn't look as good, and no one gives a shit about cow kings. But you can make just a lavender that's beautiful. Right, and I can sell a 100 of those for 100 bucks. Yeah. Instead of making these $2,000 ones that will never sell, but there's so many genes in them made for someone who 
doesn't exist. <laughs> so it's like, uh, it's just silly. Just have fun with it. At least on the colubrid end, you yeah. know, have fun with it. And you have healthy snakes because you're not trying too hard. You're not taking two years or you're not trying to rush them in two to three years to get them going. And then, you know, you have healthy snakes and good snakes and they still sell because they're cool looking. You're just not rolling in money. Um, A little bit earlier, yes. Tony said that he had an infertile egg in his carpondro clutch that molded. Three out of the four eggs touching it died. Don't know if that's significant or coincidence. Well, he is incubating little mutant babies. Did you just kill a spider? No, it was a little fly. Oh. Um, but I don't know. I don't know because I've heard. I don't know if carpondro eggs are going to be as. I know nothing about them. Because, you know, chondro eggs are very. Um, you're prone to losing eggs during incubation. Okay. I didn't They're know pretty that. prone to that. So it's like, did the infertile, like he said, he's not sure, but did the infertile, um, you know influence Mm -hmm. them you never know it could be just a slight change of of that infertile egg you never know but that's interesting i wonder over time and you know because you don't have that control when those eggs have gone bad without that you don't know but it's definitely i think that's a good enough reason to say hey let's separate all of them but that's just if you see anything separate it yeah why not even though, you know, I know. If it's scary. easily done. Yeah, yeah. If it's easily done. If you're going to be fucking up some eggs, don't do that. Right. Liquid Band-Aid it, though, if you do. Okay. I've never had to do that, but I've heard some That things. keeps the mold in? Well, no. If you if you try to separate eggs uh-huh. and they get a tear in them, uh, you can liquid, liquid Band-Aid, Band-Aid it, it over. Back closed. Yeah. Hmm. Which I've never had to do, thank you. Or super glue, I've heard also. But I would think that that's a little toxic. Yeah, but the... I, I guess it works. Who knows? But it's interesting. But eggs, eggs want to survive, right? So <laughs> you're saying some weird stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Do eggs want to survive? Uh, but Tony said he had thirteen healthy hatchlings, which is pretty good. Yeah, I mean. I- I don't know what he's had in clutches before as far as um, eggs go in the distance. Even though we just had them one two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about all this. Yeah. But <laughs> um, it all gets it all gets in my head. Yeah, sometimes. it all gets trying to keep everyone straight. Um, it's hard when you're talking because a lot of the times during the podcast, you're kind of one step ahead of yourself and you're mm-hmm, trying to you're think. thinking of the next question, but also listening to the person, but also looking at the chat. Like, Yeah, so you you, you absorb some, but probably not as much even. I retain as, about 20%. Even as someone listening, the they probably get more out of it than we do. We're just the same old stupid people who host <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. Like we don't get... We only get, we get incrementally, like, more knowledgeable, but probably at a lesser rate even than someone who's listening to it. I don't know. Speaking of things to absorb, we didn't talk about Brandon's thing earlier, and I want to. So that hoser paper, um, Brandon, shit. Well, I don't want to talk about it too much without knowing what I'm talking about. So he said, basically, the paper is supposing... That the carpets in the intergrade zone are actually a distinct species backed by DNA evidence. And that IJs are distinctly separate from Darwin's. 
with the range of IJs actually extending into Australia and that those animals up there near the Iron Range aren't coastals. So are jungles IJs now, bro? He said jungles range extends way farther than we previously thought. Oh, so this is just a whole new can of worms for our coastal jungle thing. And Today. what's the same? They're all the same. All carbons are the same. Do whatever you want, people. <laughs> Fuck it. But yeah, I mean, there are, um, there was always that divide of people who, what taxonomy you were going to listen to. Cause there's papers that classify things different ways. Right. But in the hobby, we've tended to try to stick with one way. And then things get changed, and then you're like, mm-hmm. fuck. But at least we try to say this is a jungle, so that even if in the future jungles turn into coastals, you know, they're not even subspecies, then maybe we still have, we just have a lineage of coastals. Or if they get separated into completely different species, then it's like, oh, good thing we kept these jungles <laughs> pure, because now we have pure ones. So. I think it's I think it's still important to keep the lineage so that no matter what taxonomists think, because all we're doing is it's a chimp saying, hey, man, I want to classify shit because I like my desk organized over here. Like I like to keep everything in its place and we're just putting names on stuff and there's no real rhyme or reason to it. Do you know who Raymond Hozier is? No, but apparently he's a taxonomist. I don't know. Although Brandon said he's a pariah, which, <laughs> which is interesting. Now I would have to look him up. Um, but supposedly NPR. I mean, I guess let's let's uh advertise the. Oh, they're doing the a show discussing the new paper. <laughs> yeah, a competitor. Not really a competitor. <laughs> we're we're nowhere near level well, competing no one, with them. That's the but. thing. No one in, especially the podcast space, especially in reptiles. No one's in competition with anyone because it's like there's not enough out there to where someone can't listen to two of them a week, you know? Yeah. Like, like there's no competition where there's only two. And there's no competition when neither us nor Eric and Owen are making money off the podcast. <laughs> Why would we compete? Like, hey, man, you're taking all my zero dollars. We're competing for people. Not even because there's how many times have we been we like we just share all the but same. How people. many times have we wanted to be like, damn, I want this person on, but they were just oh, on NPR. For guests. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Not people listening. <laughs> we're competing for guests because it's like they're not competing. That's not the right word, but it's like fuck. We can't have them on anytime soon. Well, they now just you're gonna on give NPR. Eric insight if he's listening that he's going to one-up us and he's going to jump all They around. already one-up us every time. Damn it. There are, Damn it. They always get the but person. Knows- for, like, like Warren Booth, we wanted Warren Booth yeah. on. And we were, like, it's we like- were like, damn, we don't feel like we could ask him yet. But then, fuck, he's on NPR. And it's like. Yeah, sometimes we're like about to ask someone and then they're on. And they're on NPR. Um, we, that's why we've, we've specifically tried not to have the same people on. But we obviously cross over a lot. A lot. A lot. And um, and that's because we got a lot of, a lot of our friends from NPR <laughs> in a way, like from Carpet Fest, just from the area we live in is so Moralia dense. I don't know why. You know, it's just the people that we meet are all into Moralia and green trees and stuff that those guys are into. And we're into that shit, too. Right. And then all the big people, of course, we want them on, too. You know, and then and then it's hard in Colubrids because n- all the guys are recluse and all the guys are a bit older 
and they all seemingly it's so hard to get corn snake people oh I mean, they fucking hate say we got sarah moore which was great but like other than that and we got um, yeah donovan you know there's the two you know those are two younger people who are already active on social media right. you don't see a lot of corn snake people active on, on social, social media, media at all um yeah, Brandon said colubrid people are all old people. I was trying not to say that, but they're all <laughs> old people. <laughs> and, and Tony said he gave us the exclusive. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, it's easy because we can have these guys in person who are in Dallas. Right. You know? We can say, hey, Tony, just come over. Don't even worry about the technology thing. Just come over to our place <laughs> and do it in person, which is cool. Which, and yeah, which will be nice. Hopefully, there's some you know people in Philly in that area. And we we'll can head do the hunt same at Carpet with... Fest this year too. Yeah, we'll be we'll be looking on the lookout for people. So I have to feel like we're gonna know almost everyone at I Carpet know, Fest, which is cool. Yeah. You know, but uh, I don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of new people. I'm yeah. very excited to meet Howard Redding, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we should gain a lot more insight than just our two-hour interview. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hang out with everyone. Someone brought up get some hognose. Per- we haven't had a hognose per- person on, have we, right? Who's, like, dedicated to hognose. No, we haven't had a hognose-specific show. Um, would we JMG, could do, do you there think is he somewhere would be around here. There is someone around here who maybe, uh, maybe we should reach out. I just don't know him. And it's weird when I don't. When I don't know anyone that knows anyone or they don't vend the local shows, it's like either they don't want to do things and be involved in the community or I'm not sure. I'll check it out, though. What um, about JMG? It's definitely someone. Well, we can try that. I think we already tried that, but oh. um, we can find out. And that's that's the way that the, the good thing about Eric and and Owen primed all these people that are like, oh, yeah, we know what a podcast is. That's cool. Yeah, Let's they've done do it. it. So they're like, It's le- different yeah. when we go to a random person and they're like, what's a podcast? What is this? What do I have to do? They're like, oh, wait, yeah, let's never do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they already primed all the Morelia people yeah, and they're like, true. yeah, we know what that is. Who we're, are the biggest cool hognose breeders out there? Um, so JMG, like you said, and then there is a guy who lives in Fort Worth, actually. Um, Justin, can someone help me? Justin Mitchum. There he said, he said it right there. Justin Mitchum of Extreme Hogs. He's in Fort Worth. Um, but yeah, like I said, I don't really know him personally, so I can reach out. Isn't there like someone in Canada who's big? Um, Hognose wise? Mm-hmm. I may be making that, that up. Not that I know of. Um, well, you may be thinking of a guy who's big into ball pythons, and he has some hog nose, and we've seen some pictures before of his stuff. But in in general, um, Canada's pretty lack on a lot of the colubrids. There is a big colubrid guy. I forget his name up in Canada. But um, they've basically – he's had to pretty much at least a few years ago cherry pick things from NERBC, do the paperwork, get them shipped in, like – it just recently opened up a lot more to where um, it's much easier to ship to Canada now than it was in the past. Um, there's some shipping services that do it. So, I mean, some of the okay. guys back in the day who got those initial animals in, like, have it locked down forever because it's so They're hard. They're that person. Yeah. Yeah, it's much harder to get them in. So that's an interesting game to play on there. I would love to expand our international podcast which obviously like is out of my control we are it's 
I know, but oh, more. It's 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 not out, it's out of my control. We've already said it before. Wow. Um, you know, like people have to say yes. I can't make people say yes, but like I think that, you know, obviously even though we're not making money off this, I still think of it kind of business e and finding our niche and making us different. And obviously the video thing makes us different, even yeah. though everyone's not okay with that. <laughs> um, but I think doing more international stuff. I feel like the other podcasts out there are not doing that as much well it's hard for a live it's, show yeah, it's to hard. It's do hard. it to get the timing right but i think you know i hope in the future so we have one guest which i think we've already talked about so we can just say it. we're getting casper who was of course on npr he was a, right <laughs> just like everyone else so that's why he's cool. so he's not so it's not there goes my idea of like being different because he was yeah. on npr <laughs> yeah. but it would be you know i hope that well, um, what we want to do is expand to somewhere to where, because we don't have our niche, um, really, and I want I want it to always be a bunch of different stuff. Like I don't want it always to be the same thing. But like we we've mentioned multiple times, it's just hard to get not the same thing. It seems right as and- far or not the same um, group of, you know. And just the international opens up so many different things to talk about. And that's, you know, like I love anytime we have someone in the chat who's international, I'm asking them all the time, like, so what is it like doing this over there? What is it like? You know, I just think it opens you up to so many different interesting things. And so and there's some really cool um, just line breeding and colubrids and stuff going on there. And there's. There's quite a few things. Um, they are a little bit more sparse than the United States just because they obviously have um, space issues, a lot mm-hmm, of them in mm-hmm. Europe. And it's just much more of a we're gluttons in the United States and just have all this extra room to put a whole extra room of snakes in and stuff like that. So it's kind of a little <laughs> bit and it's different. So it's like, how do those guys manage that, um, you know, over here or over there rather? manage having collections in smaller areas or you know Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting we just haven't you just need to figure it out more so if 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 anyone has some international connection just just anything if anyone has any suggestions of who to have on the show and it's someone different you know like i feel like um we always take them like brandon's great at recommending people and we always try to reach out and, to and if you've recommended people we probably tried it and maybe it didn't work out for failed. you know not every person wants to be on a podcast and then maybe they get thrown off by the video thing i don't know, yeah, I don't know. Um, but hopefully one day we have our niche other than video and drinking beer uh, yeah <laughs> yeah which but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. We're doing Are you ready right. to switch topics? Okay, let's do it. Okay, so. We went off at a weird place. But it's there. still related to us. It's not about snakes, but it's related to, you know, what's going on with us. Um. So now Eric knows that we don't mean to steal all of his guests. We just. not stealing them. It really <laughs> looks like we're copying them. We've been, I hope it doesn't. I hope everyone doesn't think we're really trying to copy NPR. because we we're have not. our friends on. That was, that, was that, that was weird. Anyway. And it and it's like friends and big people. So, you know, mm-hmm. maybe one day you think we could convince Ellen to come on? Maybe. Is that you asking him right now through the... 
I don't know. I didn't think <laughs> Owen actually listened no, to probably it. probably not. Eric will hear it. I know Eric listens to us, but we I don't can, think Owen does. We can ask Eric to ask to Owen. Owen. <laughs> <laughs> we need a mediator to get to <laughs> Owen. <laughs> it's his agent or something. Uh, Dan says, have both of them won. Oh, we should do That'd both be interesting. Of them. We should do it when we move to did Philly. Did Brian though. do it with both of them? Or am I making that up? Brian Cusco, did he do it with both of them? Or I totally yeah, he make... did a show. But we should do, when we get to Philly, let's do more. and let's, That will probably help us get to different people because we'll be going to the different shows there. And there, and people are shitting on us now but for drinking water. Again. I know. It's because your beer right now. You Sorry. can go get some more beer. There's I got to pee, though, too, at the same time. Okay. So you want to set in- up, yep, yep, set it yep, up. Yep, yep, be yep. long-winded, though, because this is going to it's gonna be a good one. Oh, God, gross. Okay, so <laughs> over the weekend, we went to Lake Charles, Louisiana. Oh, but I can't talk about you. Whatever. Joe's never been to Louisiana, so that was fun for him to see. He didn't see everything, but he saw a little bit. We went for a wedding, but our friend Wes Owens, uh, what's his company's name? I don't know. I don't know what. Um, he's just Tattoo Highway. Oh, he's Tat. Oh, but it's spelled weird. T-A-T-2 underscore highway on Instagram. Um, and we went to his house and he has a pretty cool collection in Lake Charles. He's not really breeding right now, but he will in the future. Um, he also has gross tarantulas and skinks and all kinds of stuff. And Joe said to be long-winded, but I'm running out of things to say. So I know he recently at the Lake Charles Reptile Show, he picked up, what, a berm and a retic? He's like, oh, oh, there you are. He picked, didn't he pick up a berm and a retic at the most recent Lake Charles Show? Yeah, so he's recently, it seems, gotten more into berms and retics, so... I guess he's like, if I'm going to breed one thing, it's got to be big. But he, um, I guess he only really plans to breed his, those large snakes. And he's like, you know, he is very reasonable about it. Like, hey, I can only, these things have 40 babies, so I should probably only breed these. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. And plus, none of his other stuff is like morph, you know, morphs or anything like that. Um, It was cool because his collection is all... Um, basically naturalistic and bioactive vivarium. So um, he has everything from he has gopher snakes, Japanese rat snake, which is really cool. Um, a Japanese rat snake in a bio, yeah, really growler, <laughs> in, a, in a bioactive enclosure with perches and everything. I was not expecting to see it perched up and like moving around super cool um because and i think even imagine if i just got really rich dude i would <laughs> just fucking i'd put all my corns in three foot cages got have space it makes zero sense it makes zero space. sense for most people but like i would put them all in three foot cages with like perches and shells just to see what happens and it would be really really it would just be fun you know just to see because i think that they are we don't give them enough credit for being, you know, a Japanese rat snake is very, very closely, at least in looks and seemingly behavior, besides the fact that they're usually a little bit more high strung than uh, similar to our rat snakes and corn snakes, at least with looks and some behavior. So, you know, he was chilling in the trees and hanging out, and that was awesome to see. Um, he has king snakes, milk snakes, um, 
Gopher snake. Gopher snakes, a bunch of tarantulas. One thing i never seen before uh, was a house snake. Oh, yeah. He had a house snake, which um, I never had the luxury of getting bit by until then. <laughs> um, but it was like small as fuck. And it in didn't full break size, the skin. right? Didn't he say it's full size? Yeah, like it's not. And it's like the it's size small, of like what dude. a yearling corn snake. And apparently, they just have babies constantly. Really? That's from what I hear. How they're so tiny? How can they make I any don't know. babies? I have magic, but <laughs> but it's it's a really cool. It looks like a mini olive python, like or a water python. It, it was like, like grayish, silverish. Yeah, it's somewhere between olive and water. Okay, I said it. Okay. Go with it. Okay. But they're really, really cool. And um, so I was holding that. And we had, this was after. We took them out before. And then we went to the casino, which was my first time gambling. Um, we took out $20. And we put it in. And what did we leave with like $48? Mm-hmm. $48. Like we killed it, dude. <laughs> we killed it. But I you was get, really you get good free at Russian roulette. I loved it. Yeah, we just played roulette. Well, and then some slots. But the slots were very. It didn't. You no, know, it like doesn't I was do doing it for anything. you. The slots are more fun when you're super drunk and everything is more fun. Um, and even though I've been to casinos multiple times, I'm still not ballsy enough to go to a table. I've been. To, I've sat at a table once. Oh, I feel like a it's fish very out intimidating. of water. For, you know. It's crazy. I felt like never being to one. I've been in one, but never really indulged in anything. Not like we really indulged in anything, but um, I felt like it's like the human equivalent to like a bug zapper, you know, with the bright light and they just come and then they get zapped. And then they fall down. <laughs> There's like bright lights and humans are just like, <gasps> let's pull all the levers and drink all the beers and. Spend a lot okay. of money. It's not the it's, feeling I get from a casino, but well, okay. That was my. But obviously, I not all casinos are on the same level. Like Lake Charles is is right over the the Louisiana line, and so obviously in Texas, the only casinos are on Indian reservations, so they're kind of far out. But like in Louisiana, you can have them in the city as long as they're on water. And since you know we're so far south, Wash we we guilt. have that luxury. And so like Lake Charles is pretty much like. Very small little town, and then they have these two big ass casinos, like huge, huge casinos. Um, uh, and so that's what brings them money. For you can just hop over the line and go to the casino. So he got like for he got the the top end of the casinos. Like not everything's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, even Harrison, Louisiana, in New Orleans is even better. Um, but even better, even better. It okay. had everything you could ever dream of, though. As a- I mean, it was it was a fun experience. But anyway, we got home from the casino and we didn't not have drinks there. So we definitely played around with what? Nothing. Why are you squeezing my leg? Nothing. Holy shit. Obviously something. But well, you know, when someone squeezes your leg, it's clearly you're not supposed to talk about it. (laughs) What? It was nothing. Nothing. I told you that we indulged in beverages. Nothing. Okay, and then we came home, well, to Wes's house, and then we went into the snake room. Eventually, Melissa fell asleep, of course, and then we went into the snake room again. Did Wes get you to hold a tarantula? No, 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 no. I got oddly close to it. Will you ever? I will never hold one. Will you ever hold one? I probably will eventually, but I don't. 
I saw more as animals than I've ever seen them before. Than not just gross <laughs> things. I, yeah. I could see myself doing it in the future just because it seemed like more reasonable. But um, what the fuck was I? Oh, yeah. So we went back into the room and he's like, hey, man, like my IJ, I never really hold it because it's a bit of a psycho. Then I'm like, all right. And then all of a sudden he's in the cage getting it out. And I have that I have the house snake in my hand already, which is a skittish little thing. I'm just trying to hold on to it. And then Wes gets the IJ out and then the IJ starts flailing around. And then somehow I end up Wes is on one side of the room. I'm on the other side of the room. The IJ is in the middle of us. The IJ is coming towards me. It looks like it wants to eat my face off. So I'm like, and then it lunges towards me. I twitch out of the way. Twitch it, out of the like, way. I like, I react. <laughs> I like, like <laughs> what, do you, what would you oh, call that? I don't know, but I'm, I like, I'm sad I missed I this. jump, you know, okay. I jump. Mm-hmm. And then the, and then the, the house snake bit me while I jumped for the IJ. <laughs> Cause like I waved my hand in front of it and it bit me. So that's how do you know, I got Do you remember there. how long he's had his IJ for? Yeah. Um, he's has an IJ, his IJ for a few months, okay. maybe a year or so. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just still pretty crazy and everything. Yeah. I mean, it was fine once we got it out. Um, then again, he was probably a lot braver Due to the circumstances mm-hmm. than he usually is. And um, yeah, he was good when we had him out. He was definitely um, the thing you see with some carpets where they just like go full out fucking floppy noodle on you. And I don't know if you know, like, like some of them just never react or never relax and then get like kind of stiff bodied and moving around mm-hmm. and waving around kind of weird. Um, I know that's what he was doing, but ended up. You know, we have a picture of him that I think he put on his Instagram with it all around him, and it was pretty good. And then we got out the tarantula and stuff like that. And oh, I he also took has dart frogs, right? I forgot. Yeah, that. he has dart frogs, uh, some squ- a scorpion, really like diverse collection things, but like kept perfectly. Like if you're going to, it's hard to keep this way. Like he keeps everything naturalistic and stuff and they are in exoterras. Right. And it's hard to do, but he does it pretty well. And then he got, he got an anaconda, right? Oh yeah. He has a yellow anaconda, which he does. He acknowledged like, Hey, like these, I kept a retic in a naturalistic setup for like a week. And then all it did was dig around and get like dirt in its mouth. And he's like, I'm not doing this anymore. So he's like, I acknowledge that I need to keep the pythons, at least the retics and the berm and the anaconda. He's keeping them on paper, at least for now, um, just because it it just it didn't just... work out great. OK, but that's interesting because obviously naturalistic is matching what's in the wild. They're not living on paper in the wild. Yeah. Um, so why wouldn't they do? Why wouldn't any snake do well in naturalistic? It should maybe just needs to be adjusted to some sort. I think it's really a matter of um, a retic is a super super active snake, so it's like and it has enough power to destroy everything in the mm-hmm. enclosure constantly. So you're just not going to keep things in place in the right way, you know? What it's part just, of the world are they living in? Um, so like Indonesia or the Pacific islands over there. So like 
mm, I'm trying to think of like what the ground is like over there. So like, well, muddy, it is really wet. Mu- yeah, like, wet, muddy. Right, type. but they don't give a shit going through the leaves and fucking everything up. You know, doesn't matter. But it's different when you're in a, in a small enclosure. Confine. You don't want it just constantly thrown around and everything. Right. Yeah, which is hard. And he does a good blend of. He doesn't try to plant, you know, things in en- in enclosures where it's going to all just get messed up anyway. Like his Japanese rat snake, it's all fake leaves and plants, but you know, it still looks really good. So we have like fifty. I guess every time. Sorry, someone just asked this again. I need to write. I but need like, to actually write. But like it Leo down. said, like his corn snake always burrows. So. What you would do if you set up naturalistic, fully naturalistic, and you planted plants and everything, the corsage would eventually try to dig up under the plants and oh, really, just, and get them out and everything. Yeah, it would. He would just ruin everything. But it's interesting, you know, that some corn snakes do it more than other. Like our Miami okatee, that one burrows. I mean, burrow. I'm not, it's not full, but like it is under the bedding way more than any other corn snake we have. And I would say, I feel like we have a pretty good sample size, you know, to compare it to. Now, obviously, yeah. that one is mixed with something else because it's a Miami Okatee. Well, it's with two corn snake localities. Oh, okay. Never mind. That doesn't really affect <laughs> it then. It's still corn snake. But I don't know. Why does that one, bur- is that about that snake itself? Is it about Miami Okatees? Or, you know, like, but it's constant. Like, half the time I can't find it because it's yeah. under the bedding. But all the other ones are perfectly fine. Just under their hide, but on top of the bedding. Um, so that's just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the more you have, the more you realize you, they all have different personalities to an extent. To where, you know, we have the water bowl one. We have the shit in the water bowl one. You have the yeah. always in their hide one. You have the always roaming around one. You have the... On top of their hide. You have the defensive ones. You have the skittish ones. You have the ones that don't give a fuck. It's yeah, a spectrum a per- of all different... Especially, I mean... It goes back to everything we've been saying, how much of a spectrum corn snakes are on and just diversity in many, many different ways. And that just personality is also a thing. Yeah. Like how skittish are some of the palmettos and then how cool is like. Right. The and it's like both of our palmettos are. So, again, yeah. Like, is that a palmetto thing? Is that just the two we have? But like they're both super skittish. They're also F1. So that means that they're first generation captive born and bred. And, I mean, Palmetto's only been around for a couple of generations, and then we pair that to a wild corn, so. So, 10 years from now, that may be different. Yeah, Not even or if I held years. it every day, would it be different? I don't know. Ouch. I don't know. So, it's, uh, and I, that probably happens in every species. So, I've seen especially Morelia people who keep perches or keep shelves, and you'll see, like, I didn't ever think I'd see like a jungle just perching up like a green tree, mm-hmm. but we see it in some multiple of the... times. Yeah, yeah, especially with the young ones. Like when Bill had that, the displays, and it was, it was like there was like a diamond jungle jag on a perch, just like a green tree. And you're like, wait a second, what's like, happening? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's like the ones that I would least think that you know, especially if you have coastal and diamond blood in there, I'd be like, oh, that thing's not perching. Yeah, it's definitely perching. So um, really more thought, I, I guess, that comes to the fact that more thought maybe should be put into giving everyone all the options. 
of what they want to do. Yeah. And then even we see things that we give them certain options and they never use. So it's like, right. You, maybe you our can ATVs cater. in the hide all the time. Now yeah, it didn't start one. that way, but now hide as long as he's Ian, he's in the hide. He doesn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. It's like, and it's just, it's weird. I mean, I think you should offer everything and see, and then throughout life, have the opportunity throughout the life cycle, they change also. So right. it'd be like, you know, a lot of the carpets are going to be more prone to perching as babies, but probably not as adults. But then again, there are a few who will do it as adults. So it's like, you never know. Mm -hmm. And if we don't give them to them, then we don't know. But if we don't give it to them, do they not know? But then I don't do feel, I don't like, I don't, I don't feel bad that our, not all of ours don't have, like, I don't feel bad that ours don't have them. Uh, would I like to make a 15 foot olive of carpet? Of course, yeah. everyone would. Yeah. But that's just not feasibly possible. It's it's right just now. a really really weird um, thing to say. Oh, fuck, man, are we doing the right thing? Are we not doing the right thing? Do we give enough? Do we not give enough? How smart are our snakes? We just don't. We're in infancy. Yeah. Is that Brandon? Yeah. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Yeah. For I feel sure. bad. This is the one you're listening to because this is not a great. When it's, <laughs> we were supposed to have a. We were guest supposed though. to have a really cool guest, but. Didn't happen. So right. It's not as good when it's but just But he was saying two. that his larger snakes prefer shells, which makes sense. I like. Meaning, like, like if you have an Amazon, I mean, it goes species, species also, which, um, you know, Amazons aren't going to perch like your green tree python. It's different. Amazons, you want at least, like, three points of contact to where they can drape over. Okay. Like, limbs of a tree, in quotes. And... So they won't perch like a green tree does. I don't know if anyone doesn't know what a green tree is or something, you know. Imagine like a circular towel just draped over a curtain rod and it just hangs out right there perfectly. But if you're but a, an Amazon would never just drape over one single um, spot. Yeah. So it's like it needs a cross section of trees and stuff and I can imagine that's what a larger carpet would need. To the extent to where larger carpets may want to have a shelf. And like um, Austin, is it his brettles that he has shelves in there? Oh, that is his. Um, that really big His one. Brisbane's. His Brisbane's. Like, yeah, he has some shelving there and he's talked about he, they like being up there for. I don't know if it's, yeah, like it's closer to. Yeah, like stays up there. Right. Is it closer to the heat there. thing? They like to be like, what is that a thing about Brisbane's? Or, you know, that's just. I don't know, and those are huge ass snakes. Like, yeah. so could that be because they're larger? Or because they're there's so many things we don't know what yeah. you know leads to that. Mm -hmm. So there's just, um, but at, but then at the same time, like you know, we we kind of touched on this earlier. We know what we would love to give all snakes, but I don't feel like not having some of these things is is hurting it. Clearly, there's things that have worked to keep snakes alive for very long periods of time. Right. But I don't think the shelving has anything to do with its longevity. Yeah. I don't, it I seems don't, that you could put that something that. in a Tupperware with paper towel on the bottom and then put something in a bioactive blah, 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 and have the same results. Right. As long as you're making humidity. Humidity and, and feeding and all. That. Yeah. Because those yeah. are the main things. Like these, these are extra things things right yeah and it doesn't seem like you would take a sedentary human and you would say oh that definitely lives 
not as long as a human who exercises and does all these things. But then again, it's like snakes seem, uh, you know, even when not given the opportunity, live very long lives. It doesn't seem to make them less healthy. Right. Unless we feed the shit out of them. Well, yeah. There's things that definitely, if you fuck it up, you're going to fuck up the snake. But there's yeah. other things that's like, they're land yap things, which is a new word you learned this what? weekend. Oh, land yap things. Not speaking English. No. So I know it's not English. For everyone, because no one knows. I bet it. more people know what land yap than are everyone surprised. Everyone okay, land yap is just a word we use in Louisiana, and it just means extra, like a little something on the side. It's land yap. Yeah. Or just like some extra news, some, you know, more things to know. Yeah. It's land yap. Land yap. Okay, well. I would like to provide more land yaps, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know if you could use it that way. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Some people, I like. You keep snakes too good. You make me feel bad. What? Meaning, like, I see people like Tony's collection, or like Wes's collection, and I'm like, the fuck? Like, I'm keeping a. I don't know. Like, it's so much, it's so simple and so to the point and obviously minimalistic to where I almost feel bad because I'm like, I could do better, but then again, it gets the same result. And I don't know. I don't know where my line is drawn. I'm not saying I'm turning into like a naturalistic keeper, but then again, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm doing it right. I guess time will tell. We're not doing it wrong so far, <laughs> but I don't know if we're doing it right. Um, He said, we keep ours in a closet. I'm sorry. I don't know what that's reference to. <laughs> I, I, Our adults, at least, unless you're at the ones behind us. Yeah. But either way, it's, you know, you're giving them the same environment, which is a plastic tote. If I can make a plastic tote. If we could have a giant plastic tote and set it up bioactive, I think that would be an awesome option. When will that ever be an option <laughs> An option for us? No, I'm just, I mean, it could be, but they just don't make totes very large and very... To have the space They for have that. like those hundred cords or whatever that some people use for Amazons, which is interesting. Um, my only drawback with the bioactive and all that stuff, which bioactive obviously is supposed to clean itself, which I understand... But if you're not having the full system in place, how would you ever clean something that if you don't and have, you gotta have a lot stuff? of extra stuff? You know, like when we were at Wes's, he had these mister things and tubes running and this other machine and this other machine. And like, I don't know, that just seems like a lot of extra. It's not just he putting. Sprays, yeah, like it's know. not just putting plants in there and you call it a day like. He does all this other stuff to, he does upkeep to and ensure, he does to ensure. And... Now, I, again, I don't know. Is that all since I don't know about the natural? Is that all super necessary or is he just doing that to be extra good? He was doing it because it was things like dart frogs and he didn't No, But even in his snake room. Yeah. He had that tube thing that went in. Yeah. For yeah, humidity, yeah. And then he had the machine that sprayed. Well, it's because he can't use belly heat because he has layers of substrate. So he had to use overhead heating. But I'm not talking about the heating. I'm talking about 
but that's why you need more humidity if you're heating like that. Okay, so that has nothing... And the exoterras rob it of humidity as well. That has nothing to do with the naturalistic. That has all to do with his overhead heating. Right. Okay, gotcha. Well, and the enclosure type, because it doesn't hold humidity very well. Why don't exoterras hold humidity very well? well? There's just too much holes in it. And usually they have screen tops and stuff like that. So all the humidity escapes. So you are kind of fighting upstream. So there you go. And Brandon said his opinion is bioactive is more for the keeper than the snake. That's why. Yeah. I mean, like, I do want to see them react like they would, you know, in the wild wild. and have all the choices. But it seems like the snakes do just as well. Well, Wes's snakes do well because he goes that extra mile. He He goes above and beyond. He swims upstream. We're flowing on the lazy river a little bit because <laughs> the what snakes do What does that do say about great. us? That we're yeah. on the la- I don't think that says good things about us. <laughs> well, we're going with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's certainly more easier for everyone to keep the way we keep. That's for sure, right? Very true. It's much more simpler. It makes your life easier. And Professor AC brought up feces in the bioactive and stuff. I'm like... Yeah, you search. Yeah, like, uh, you have to search through all the these plants to find the and if shit. If you have a retic, I don't know if they're ever breaking down that. You know, I don't care what bugs you got in there. <laughs> I don't know if they're breaking that shit down. It's way too, way too massive of a shit to mm-hmm. <laughs> to handle it. Yeah, and then I'm. I mean, I want to. I mean, it would be cool to keep all the carpets in cages. But I, I also find it hard to keep a cage clean in comparison. to I was to just about to ask you. So, how have you ever kept naturalistic before we even met? No, not for snakes. Okay. Do you know about so like how is it the the cleaning process or the changing process? Like, can the, do those plants go? Do you uh, have to? What do you have to? Wrong person to ask. Oh, dang it. <laughs> but you put in isopods, which are little bugs and stuff like mm-hmm. that, to eat all the, eat stuff, the stuff, and you put plants and. But do Do those plants last forever? And there's a drainage layer. Do the plants get... Well, Wes was saying every few months you have to recycle it or something like that. And get all new plants every few months? Get all new, the bugs and everything. I don't know, man. That sucks. The plants only last for a couple months? No (laughs) way. No, not the plants. Oh, the isopods. Yeah, yeah. It's more the soil and everything. Like, I don't think you can't keep the same soil and drainage in there forever. Um, And the leaves and stuff. I guess it degrades over time or... It will just get too much, and I don't know, man. Okay, we need to get. We're, we're about to put out bad information. Yeah, I'd sorry. Say okay, nothing. maybe our next guest we have on will have some naturalistic, and we can ask them. Some yeah, questions. I mean, it's definitely something interesting, but um, kind of part of why I think more and more about it is because we get torn to shreds more and more about it on YouTube every fucking yeah, day. Yeah, people don't like our tubs and our racks. And it's hard because I can't I can't say no you're for sure wrong and I can't say no you're for sure right. It's not anything that I have a formative opinion on. It's something that I'm flowing back and forth. And I, I totally understand. It looks terrible that I just keep corn snakes in a tub with substrate. But some people keep corn snakes in a tub with paper. With I don't think it looks terrible. It, it's just not. Well, to a normal person who sees it is like, that's definitely not how you do it. But then again, how many snakes has that person kept? And it's hard to get past the, 
Oh, it's hard to get past the, um, you don't understand that I don't put everything on video that I do because I don't want you to do my chores with me. Like, <laughs> like that's not fun for anyone. Um, like the people with the MBK, they're like, you did not put air holes in the tub. Well, you didn't know that I had to work like a normal human being that night. Therefore, I put the snake in there for the video with substrate and everything, put it in there, and then, like, the next day I put holes in it. You know why? Because a tub isn't airtight. And you know what happened? Nothing. I put the holes in it next day, and it was fine. Because it's just, like, not It's not that serious. Air fl- it's really easy to get airflow in something that's not airtight. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like it's not going to suffocate unless you have one of those gasket bins. I don't know but what it's that like, is. It's a gasket bin. Uh, they have these Sterlite tubs that have these gaskets in it, which a gasket is like a rubber lining on the lid of it. Oh. So like, there's gaskets oh, in like a hundred oh, million things. Like you know, in like the, a rubber, like, what like we an do, O-ring. Well, or... like we our food, our glass containers for food. Right. Those have gaskets gotcha, in them. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's kind of an air, it's sealed. Yeah. Right? And you wouldn't ever want that for Yeah. Snake. So we wouldn't want that. But the fact is that, fuck man. Yeah. I didn't put the holes in it that day. And plus... You want to have a video of me just putting holes in tubs? Guess what? That shit takes me like 20 minutes because I need to do them separately. <laughs> I'm getting high off a of fucking okay. plastic because smoke is going everywhere. Calm down, and I have the down. vent on. You over don't have the... to get so... <laughs> so... It's like, uh, I can show you that, but you're going to thumbs down it, man. Thumbs so... down it. And <laughs> then I cry. <laughs> Um, okay. So it's hard managing expectations to random people that don't matter. But then again, I want to please as many people as I can on the YouTube channel and stuff. And like, I don't like being called shit when it's like, I feel the total opposite way. You know, like if people like you suck at keeping snakes, like uh, there's no way to prove that I don't besides the fact that I've kept snakes alive probably longer than that person's been alive. Even Stop. though I'm not old or kept I'm changing a long the subject. Time, uh, Brandon said, "Have you seen the way Lawrence Kingington from Lark Pythons keeps his scrubs?" I've heard about it. I haven't really seen, but he's someone who's in the UK. You can hit him really? up. He's been on NPR, so of course. <laughs> but uh, he keeps scrubs, and he keeps. I believe he has like savus. He keeps some lasses. That and- is lots of shit in there. Yeah, I mean that's a definitely a UK thing. UK is very heavy They're way on more not being minimal, minimalistic. Yeah, um, they are. You can't feed live prey, um, and there's just they're more. How could you say that? I don't know. They're just they're bougier. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just because they don't have the commercial mindset that a lot of us do. But then at the same time, we talk about how they have less space. So how do they have less space? But right, because that's because I'm saying they don't have the commercial mindset. We have the, all right, efficiency. How much money can we do? How much, or, you know, how mm-hmm. much money can we make doing this? Um, I want to breed this many animals, you know. We tend to look at everything. Everything in the U.S. is a thing mostly because someone can make money off of it, right? That's why snakes are a big thing. I mean, whether you like it or not, (laughs) it's capitalistic, you know? (laughs) There would be not as many people into snakes if they were worth nothing. And 
my snakes aren't really worth anything. But I could say, you know, maybe I wouldn't be into some things as much if they didn't cost money. And I'm not really that ashamed to say that because at the end of the day, we have to have fun. And then if money comes after, that's decent. You know, like that's not bad. And then we can buy more snakes, but we need to be space efficient with it to have as many snakes as we can. It's just a different mindset. Because no one in the UK, I don't know, there's probably very few people who are making a living off of this in the UK in comparison to what people here. What about the, um, in Germany, isn't it big? Yeah, and they the have show, a pretty big... They have such big... a big show, you'd think there'd be a lot of big breeders there, right? Yeah, I think it's just on a smaller scale, so I don't know if they have as many professional breeders, but I mean, people have even said to where, you know, different countries, they just don't think the same or they even have laws that don't allow you to you know be as capitalistic as as we are but you know that's how it goes and if what it takes is our snakes being worth money in order to get people into snakes then that's so what it, it is but if you're only if your only worry is this is the money then obviously that's an issue and like brandon said yeah paul harris of uk paul yeah, UK Pythons does it full time, but I mean, there's. Would you say he's one of the bigger breeders over there? Morelia. Um, I'm not sure what else he does. I'm not really that much into it, but they just don't like start off solid. Said they don't just work. <laughs> they don't work as much as the U.S. <laughs> That's true. Very. I think they're just more laid back. We like always have to be busy and doing something, so we get a million snakes. Yeah, we're the fattest. Yeah, it's a weird thing because we're always too busy to eat good, right? Mm -hmm. Or to work out. We're always too busy for that stuff here. Yeah, we're so So fat. we're overworked and we're fat. That's all right. Star, have you ever heard of star pythons? Yeah. So that's, um, I think that's German. But he does a lot of importing here. Okay, so he's a bigger guy over there. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about... I mean, there's so many people in the U.S. that breed full-time that you don't even know who the hell they are. Like, we have a big enough wholesale market to where uh, we could never have this podcast, but we could produce 10,000 corn snakes and make a good living shipping them to China without anyone knowing who the fuck what we are. Doing. Yeah, so here it's like there's probably more of those people than we even know. Right. And even just... Yeah, I could think of probably like 30 people or something that do it full time here, at least if not off more. the top of my if, head. Yeah, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're pretty I don't know if it's lucky as far as there's just more people doing it or the landscape, all different reasons why, you know, we have a thriving industry. Right. We can call it. Everyone's called it a hobby for so long. But really what it is, is for an most, industry it's more than point. a hobby. If you're breeding, well, for yeah. all of us, I mean, even as if a it's not your full time job, it's still more than a hobby, right? But like. can a three billion dollar industry? I'm probably making up that number. Can that be called a hobby? That yeah, no, it's billions not. I'm of saying, dollars, it's not. like yeah, it's, it's more than a call hobby. it what it is. You could call it a hobby because that's your excuse for at the end of the day, you're like, oh, it's my hobby, you know. But it's, but it's not. not. But the whole thing as a whole is an industry and you have a small business whether it's a side business mm -hmm. whether it's a hobby that pays for itself guess what the way that hobby pays for itself is you have a damn business you know? brandon said 
Oh, also now I realize we have two Brandons. I just <laughs> realized. Oh, we're that. saying Brandon we keep like saying people Brandon, know. Brandon, Brandon. Sorry, yeah. I. Why did it? So take this is so Brandon long? Wheeler of Moralia House. And then other Brandon. And then other Brandon. <laughs> so, that's all you know about other Brandon. But um, he said it's a lifestyle, which I agree. Cause even it's like if, something you Even for... if you're not breeding, like you're thinking, I feel like you're thinking, I mean, oh, yeah. it's hard because I know where we at and everyone's not where we are. But I still think it's like, it's not like your hobby of, it's not like your hobby of, I don't know knitting where you just pick it up every so often you finish and you one make, you're like cool. you make your nephew a sweater and you call it a day right this it's like you're you're thinking about it you're on the and it's, it's irresponsible you're on the facebook groups which there might be knitting facebook groups yeah, too i are. don't know there are you yeah. know about this my mom knits come on is she in a knitting facebook no group? no i don't know but there definitely are there's facebook groups for everything yeah okay so, that that hurts my argument my well no but what your well the fact is that um, you have babies. Are you going to keep but if you're not every? Breeding, if you if even you if keep you're no, back it up, baby, go lower. Even if yeah. you're not breeding, I still think it. I don't know. I think it's still. You need to at least do math and say I have to pay for this, and you have to figure out how to pay. Because it's it. a because it's a pet. You know, we're not going to call having Dixie our hobby. But it's a lot cheaper than all the snakes. Right, because that <laughs> I mean, you you can't call something that you have to feed and keep alive a hobby. Right, because then you like. You do it when you feel like it. Right, which is fun. not. It's not. You're always, you're always, um, what do you, what could you call that? But like, you have to answer to the animals of all, it doesn't matter if that Monday you're tired, you have to clean the snakes. You know, right. you have to do it. It's not something that you have any choice over. It's the same like a dog, you know, we have to feed her every day. You need to walk her. You need to and, pet her uh, when she's being cute. So, it's just something that you do and it becomes part of your life. And then it's something that like is so involved in your life. And then the more you get into it, the more you want different things with snakes. And it's like for a lot of us, it's been baked in for a while. For some people, it's like you have, you buy it and it's a little business and whatever. And then eventually you kind of get out of it or you make a good little business out of it. But for a lot of us, it's been baked into our lives for a long baked time. In. Like <laughs> That's weird. it's just such a part of us that mm -hmm. it's like, we don't not just not keeping snakes is just not an option. So right. it's like you kind of cater your life onto how can I keep snakes or how can I keep more snakes or how can I produce enough snakes so that I can buy more snakes and have it not drive us out of our house, which we need our house because we have snakes. Because <laughs> we need snakes. <laughs> it's like it's a really great way to be like, all right, do we want our kids not to do drugs and be homeless? Buy them snakes so that you have to work for more Whoa. snakes. That was a, and then you don't that have was a big jump. You don't have money. <laughs> You're making <laughs> that's a stretch. You don't have money for drugs. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> You went way farther than this was expected. But it's like you go. end up being a slave for your snakes. You know, you. Well, that's depressing. You do what you do whatever it takes we are. because we, they matter so much to you. We came back like from a five-hour drive to Lake Charles yesterday. What did we do? We spent two hours changing water bowls, taking pictures, cleaning snakes, changing bedding, and it's like fuck. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to come home and sit on the couch after just being in the car. But like. If we, when, you know, we needed to do it. You just have to be held accountable. If you're a person who's not like held accountable to things, like you'll have a time where you lose 
your motivation to do it. Mm -hmm. But like the animals don't know you're losing motivation, so they don't they shit do, less. They do because you're not feeding them as much. Yeah, if you're so not. they may shit less. <laughs> but they're it doesn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. They always need to be taken care of. And I think that's why we can see, um, you know, we've heard the stories of it all falling apart for people and, you know, mm -hmm. things being repossessed and then all their snakes are not taken care of. Well, yeah, because it takes uh, a mental <laughs> and like <laughs> the effort, you know, to really, really get in there and take care of these animals, even though on a on a small um on a small scale, it's not a lot of work at all, right? Mm -hmm. But for some, sometimes when you don't have motivation, cleaning 10 snakes can feel like the end of the world, right? Like just getting started. But it's the fact that you always have to get up and get started and do it because you just have to be there. <laughs> I think that is a very positive way is to it? end this uh, podcast. Yeah, don't fuck up. Don't do things stupid. Okay, well, you just made it real <laughs> negative real quick. Um, thank you guys for being on this podcast with us. And, like, thank you for all your great questions. You know, yeah. even though I was a little bit worried about not having a guest, like, I'm reminded. I was going to go the extra seven minutes since that would hit two hours, but I guess we're not. I mean, our outro ends up taking seven minutes half the time because we do shit like this. So by <laughs> the time we actually finish this outro, I bet it'll be... Well nine o'clock so can you let me finish talking okay thank you very much um i was saying you know i was a little nervous about um it just being us because we haven't done it in a while but i'm reminded like the awesome people we have who are consistent followers and who ask great ask great questions and like it's it's nice to know that even when we don't have a guest we can still have like a very great snake discussion because we have great people walking walk, well, watching Excuse and me. i don't know if people realize that it's like the people who are commenting who um, i see three people right now three of the four that i see on the chat right now which are kevin ringer will from p3 exotics and brandon i talk to these people and then the other brandon i talk to them this week you know yeah. i talk we talk to them anyway so it's like we're just talking to our friends and then they're like give us like we've never about. met any of these people but they're our friends which is all which is like sweet like Wes, Wes. Who we went and stayed with in Lake Charles we've never met Wes till we stayed at his house this weekend but we've talked on Instagram for months which is like sounds kind of creepy but like that the snake world did that like we we considered Wes our friend before we ever met him we can go to a small city like Lake Charles Louisiana and be like Oh, we know a guy there. <laughs> like, let's not spend two hundred dollars on a hotel room and hang out and talk about snakes, you know, with yeah. someone that we like to hang out with. And that's awesome. And that's you know, people like this on here who keep watching and talking, and you know, it's awesome. It like makes things. I mean, we haven't been like we've mentioned this too many times already. Like, we haven't been rewarded monetarily for anything we've ever done in this. Right, thing, but right? this is our reward. But like, our reward is the fact that we have so many people that we just bullshit with, even if it like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, just about all kinds of stuff. And in just a year, like, I wasn't active in the reptile community to this extent. Like, I tried a little bit, but not. But now that we are, like, why wouldn't, like, everyone should do this if they care, like, because you'll, people. 
And then the people where this is a medium where it's like they probably feel because we just talk normally. Mm-hmm. So it's like when we met Wes, I feel like he I hope he knew who I was because I'm not different. Funny <laughs> thing. All of y'all are probably gone now because we said we're ending it. But Wes thought Joe was like 6'2", 230-pound man. And that is not Joe by any means. But that's just that's the one funny part of like not meeting someone yet and just like making guess- guesses off Instagram pictures. He was like worried about how big his couch was in comparison to how big I am. But yeah, it was really funny. Um, awkward. Yeah, but okay. Sorry. So, and one thing we didn't mention in the beginning of the podcast this weekend is Southwest Carpet Fest in... Oh, where's Brandon? Where's, is he, he still here? Yeah, he oh, said to mention go. it, but I don't know where it is. Sorry we didn't mention it in the beginning. Where is it? Do you know? Um, It's at Brandon's house. <laughs> oh, fuck. Brandon, where you live? Um, <laughs> Somewhere in California. Uh, So, they're having auctions on uh, Facebook starting Wednesday. I know we donated something mm-hmm. to it, and I've seen some of the other things. Oh, so Brandon's in San Diego. Okay. Um, where's That's all- Spanish. Other for- Brandon lives in California, too. Oh, shit. Oh. Um, but sorry. Shit. I got lost. Um, They have a lot of great things on their auction on Facebook. So, uh. On Facebook, go search Southwest Carpet Fest. Well, Brandon, um, get me the link. And I'm sorry I didn't um, link up my shit for the auction or probably even got back with you. But Oh, no, Stephen Katz is actually who we're talking to. But we haven't done our shit because my phone broke and we we were away. But (laughs) uh, we'll put a link at the bottom of this podcast to the Southwest Carpet Fest yeah. group. And I'll share it on my and Facebook. And you can share it. Share. Yes. So definitely go um, go look at the auction and everything goes to US Arc and there's some great you can get a great deal, you and know. If you are in the that. California IA then you can go there. I what? California IA? Oh, well not whole California, it's a big ass state, but well, the San Diego area. I expect you that if you live in San Francisco to drive down to do you San know how Diego. many hours that is? It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but you got to deal with it because there's only one carpet fest in your area. <laughs> there's a lot of carpet fests, but, yes. okay. but you got to work for it and it's worth it because there's a lot of cool people there. Yes. And uh, oh, someone asked who's next week's guest. Um, I was going to tell it, but I want to give clues. I know that's so lame. <laughs> But I was trying to, this past 15 minutes, I've been trying to think of clues. And all the clues I can think of are super obvious. So give me a second. Oh, a day. And we'll post something. Well, we'll post something on our Instagram. You think someone will get it? Miss Willie Lion Emeralds. Shh. I'm doing the clues. <laughs> oh, sorry. Give us a day. We'll make clues. And, and it's see not if- the originator of it. But, you know. <sighs> God, okay. stealing Holy my thunder. Shit. What are we doing? See, I told you it would be 9 o'clock, <laughs> and we do this <laughs> outro for the month. So, okay, if you want to get in touch with us. Oh, see, Brandon already got it. Because you gave an obvious fucking clue. <sighs> no, I didn't. Clues. No one knows what that means. Brandon knows everything. Yeah, he does. And now he told everyone. God damn, see, now everyone. Oh, now The whole point is you guess it in a message to us, and so everyone else wouldn't know. No, everyone oh. Whatever. Sorry. If Way you want to get go. in t- contact with us, <laughs> check us out on Facebook, Instagram, obviously YouTube. We are Port City Pythons. 
We will have babies up on the website whenever they are available. So check out portcitypythons.com. If you want to email us we, and have a question, we're theportcitypythons at gmail.com. But we're always answering on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Thanks for being our friends and listening <laughs> to us. Thank you for being a friend. We are actually leaving this time. Yeah. Adios, real. everyone. Later, guys. Thanks for hanging out.